to everyone, and especially if you're our guest today. We are so happy to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here with us this morning. To those that are joining us online, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. Pray that God touches you wherever you may be this morning. Amen. John chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. John chapter 8, verse number 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when, he had, when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This, said, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Can I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what all, what other voices in your life may be saying about you. People's accusations against you. God has a way of tuning all of those things out and focusing on you stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last, Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. All of those other people were her accusers. But she's now actually standing before the one that has the right to actually judge her. And in fact, this is the one in flesh who gave the law that said, if you commit adultery, you're supposed to be stoned. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject, the ultimate life sentence. The ultimate life sentence. Father, thank you so much for your presence that is in this place, not only just in this place, but touching and ministering to hearts and lives in this place today. You are so good, God. 
Thank you for being an ever-present help, God. Thank you for being nearby. Thank you for being a God who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. We are so undeserving, and yet you love us unconditionally. We thank you. God, I pray that you would continue this morning to minister in this service, and that you would do that now through your word. God, that your spirit would speak to hearts and lives today. Lord, I just want to be a messenger just to deliver what you would want to say. Not a sermon, Lord, but a living word that comes from you. I trust you this morning. I depend upon you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, uh, my wife and I are kind of the opposites on this. She gets in the car by herself and it's quiet and that's her time for just some silence. But I, uh, pretty much any time I'm in the car, I've got, I've got Christian music playing and a lot of times it's the radio. There's three stations. Uh, well, there's, I think, some others. There's three stations you can pick up fairly well in our area, and they are in consecutive order on my dial, so I can switch between them if a song comes on I don't really like, or if one is in commercials and and talking and whatever, I can switch over and try to get music on another one. And then, if it's not the radio, it's usually uh, something playing on my on my phone. I I've been known to listen to the same album for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months. Not years, not years. It is not years. It hasn't even been out for years. My wife and I are having a debate right in front of all of you. I say, that's not the point, really. I say all of that really to say this. The only one I've ever really listened to for maybe going on years is C.C. Is Wyden's latest album. So it's worth just being on repeat, in my opinion. So anyway, um, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> yeah, so I had the radio on the other day, back to the radio. And uh, the, the, the host was telling a story about uh, this couple that... Um, they they started getting involved. They, they they started getting involved in drugs, and it started off just kind of recreationally. And um, as time went on, they both recognized they were getting more and more addicted. And finally, uh, to the point where the the husband ended up going to jail um, for drug related charges. And and uh, in in jail, um, he had a. Uh, he had a, an experience with God, and and his life began to turn around. And then, in their correspondence, it challenged her to to get more involved in her relationship with God. And and so the the the, the great testimony that was being shared was that they are now both on the right path, and God has helped them and delivered them. And and that's all really exciting. But she she the the host, I don't remember if she was reading this or what it was or just relaying it, but it was stated that 
that the wife was looking forward to the day that her and her husband could embrace once again and and now share all of this newfound freedom and deliverance and and the thought occurred to me in that moment how 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 sad is it that in a natural dimension someone who is incarcerated may have an encounter and an experience with God that transforms their life but that doesn't mean they are set free from the natural penalty of their charges and there's a lot of people there's a lot of people that still are incarcerated that have uh, been born again and 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 are giving their lives to God in in that situation and others who have served out their sentence and got out and 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 it it, it, it has continued, they've continued in their walk with God and their ministry and, and all of that. But, but the part that really was just kind of hit me was this idea that even though uh, th- this man had had this transformation, he, he was still stuck. Isn't it interesting to me that, uh, it is interesting to me that, that uh, we call a person who is sentenced to jail uh, for their the remainder of their life, we call that a life sentence. That's not much life. It's not a lot of living. But I've come to tell somebody, I believe there's it may be one person, but there's somebody here today in God's divine time and God's plan and purpose for your life. He's come to tell, He sent you here and sent me today to tell you God has the ultimate life sentence for you. I'm talking about a real life sentence. And I'm, I'm talking about a life sentence that when you get this life sentence, you don't have to keep living under the shadow or the imprisonment of your past. But when you get this life sentence, I'll read this verse in a little while, but when you get this life sentence, old things pass away and all things become new. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5 and beginning with verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man, and that is Adam, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What what that's saying is, you may not have done what Adam did, you may not have sinned the way Adam sinned, but death was reigning over all of us. But not as the offense... Adam committed one sin, and as a result of Adam's one sin, death came upon all. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be made dead, much more, much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath, hath abounded unto many. 
And not as it was by the one, by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon men, all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace, grace, we are living in a sinful world. In fact, we are living in a world where sin is abounding. But I've come with some good news today that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Justification, that's a word that's not necessarily frequently used by us and especially maybe in the kind of this, this biblical context. Let me give you what was, what they say is the, is the, the, the good old Sunday school definition of justification. Justification is when it is just as if you never did it. See, there is a difference between just being pardoned and being justified. If you are pardoned for something you did, you're still guilty of what you did. You could stand before a judge for the crime you committed and he could choose to pardon you. His pardon is not saying you never did it. His pardon is just saying you're not going to be punished for what you did. I've come to tell you that Jesus offers you and I more than a pardon for what we did. He offers us forgiveness and the power of His blood brings justification. So it is just as if we never did it. I want to read these verses. I want to read these verses to you from the Message Bible. The King James is, it's old English and sometimes it's not quite clear in language we speak today. So I want you to hear these verses from the Message Bible starting with verse number 12. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points us ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. 
If one man's sin puts crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. We all like to get something that's more valuable than what we pay for it. We like to get a, we like to get a bargain. We like to get a, a, a steal. A deal. We want something expensive, worth a lot, but for a cheap price. Oh, can I tell you today, you can't even come close to paying this price. It is such an amazing gift that God offers to you and I. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful, and I didn't even, I didn't even read this passage until this morning. I already had this title a few days ago. And as I was studying and reading this morning, I, I read here in the message Bible, it says the verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. Everybody has lived under, whether you know it or not, you've lived under a death sentence. But thanks be unto God, you don't have to live with a death sentence. You can live with a life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. You think God's going to be outdone by sin? You, you think God's going to let the, the, the enormity of what sin has done be greater than the enormity of what His grace will do? I don't think so. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, He got us into life. More than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against Sid did was, all that passing laws against Sid did was produce more lawbreakers, but sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. I love this next line. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins every time. We've made it all the way till 10 after 11 without referencing the fact it's Super Bowl Sunday. And yes, we have church tonight at 6 p.m., 30 minutes before kickoff. And we'll be here after kickoff. That's the, 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 the 49ers, not the 49ers, sorry. The Chiefs and the Eagles. Wow. Was a little, uh, 
Chiefs and the Eagles. The good news, I don't care which one of them wins. Be fine with me if they somehow both lost. My team's not in it. There are people that will tell you, especially the fans of certain teams, they will tell you they know who's going to win. But it's not hands down who's going to win. But can I tell you, every single time, every time grace faces sin, if you will let it, grace wins every time. That'd make a good song. Oh, yeah, Matthew West did that already. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. A life that goes on and on and on, world without end. My wife referenced that line about another glimpse of glory. And yes, what she talked about is the absolute truth. In eternity, we're going to get an endless glimpse of glory. But guess what? We're getting a little warm up down here. Because I've gotten different glimpses of the glory of God in my life. And every time it's greater. And every time it's bigger. And every time it's more wonderful. You know, I, we, we get a lot of things backwards. It was, it was, uh, and, and, you know, I know that I'm against organized religion. And, and we're not, whatever, that's a whole other subject for another time. But I can't help but saying this. Those that are usually against organized religion are those that are against having sub- authority in their life. The Bible is full of the principle that you have to, you need to be submitted. Not, 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 not about being submitted to a man, but God uses men and women. There we go. I don't think I've done it in a couple messages and I've just done it. Where was I going? What was I doing? What was the point of that? Organized religion. Oh, yes, there we go. Thank you. Notice, notice who it was that brought this person to Jesus. They were, they were Pharisees. If you don't really know what that term means, it means that they were the uber, I think that's how you say it in 2023. They were the uber religious people. They were the extra religious people. They were the ones that brought this woman to Jesus accusing her. Notice, and, and they didn't just simply accuse her that she had committed adultery. They said, we, we caught her in the very act. And I said it just, to, I think I may have said it last Sunday, but it was in one of the recent services. It always puzzles me, why did they just bring this woman? You, can't, you don't commit adultery by yourself. It takes two. Which, which tells me these hypocrites, they, they probably had used that guy a part of their conspiracy. Because it's, oh my goodness. I need, really need to learn to stick with the, the message. 
What's, what's amazing is it's the hypocrites that are usually the most judgmental of everyone else. They bring this woman to Jesus and they, we, we've caught her in the very act of adultery. It, it, was, it was the religious people that were doing that, that were, that were trying to set her up. It wasn't, wasn't the world. It wasn't, it wasn't sinners. It was supposed, supposedly religious people. So I, I, I said a moment, we, we get a lot of things backwards. The person that's that's in really need of an awakening is it's not it's not the alcoholic out there that never goes to church and doesn't know anything about Jesus and is that's not the one that's in the most because they usually know I, I I'm in, I'm a mess. Oftentimes the people that are in the the gravest danger are those that are the religious folks. That want to overlook the fact all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that even a righteous man falls seven times, and but he gets up again. So you, you, you're never going to get exempt from needing the grace and the mercy of God. And so the good news is, every time I come back to needing grace, there is grace every time. And grace is always going to win if I will let it work in my my life. The problem is also the fact that I, 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 I if you're a guest today, I'm, I, I, I was born and raised in this church. My parents started this church in 1970. This is all I've ever known. And, and, and the problem is the older I get, the more I realize that I know better. When I do stuff I don't, shouldn't do and I mess up and make mistakes and commit sin because all sin... I, I know better. And that's sometimes the people that have the most difficult time accepting the grace of God is the ones that know better. But can I tell you today, I don't care if you know better than to do what you did last night. I don't care if you knew better than to do what you did this past week. If you will just come to the foot of the old rugged cross and ask the one who shed his blood for you for forgiveness, I can tell you today that grace wins Every time. Jesus said it this way, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you a life sentence. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I can tell you today, that's not just eternal life, which is the most important. But he says, I can give you abundant life here and now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ephesians, listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Verse number one, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, somebody say all, we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. I mean, we, we lived however we wanted to live. We did whatever we wanted to do. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
That's all the negative, bad stuff. But look at what the next verse says. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with, with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up to sit together, has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. But God. But God. We we lived our own way. We did what we wanted to do. However, whenever we wanted to do it without any regard for God and the Word of God. But God who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Do you know what's so awesome? Is when, when, when you are born again. God does not just come to you and give you a set amount of grace. Okay, Paul, here's your grace. That's all you're getting, so you better use it wisely. Better not use it too quick, because this is your mercy, this is your grace. No, no. I'm I'm not. A, I, some of y'all are. I, it's your privilege to be this way. I'm not a leftovers guy. I don't I don't like leftovers. We had any cold pizza people? Boy, nothing like a piece of cold pizza in the morning. Well, I tell you what, you and I would make a good combo. I'll order the pizza for dinner. Eat it when it's hot and fresh, and I'll give you the leftover pieces for your breakfast the next morning. <laughs> I have, in the last several years, I have become a little bit of a leftovers guy for Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. But outside of that, I don't, I don't, I don't want nothing reheated in the microwave from yesterday. It, it's not the same. There's just nothing like the smell of something that's cooking or baking fresh. Mm. And no, not... Scented candles that smell like it. He didn't. He didn't say, "All right, here, here is this is your mercy. It's all you get." I'm that guy that they say, "Why don't you have a little bit of coffee with your sugar?" That, that's me. I'm that guy. Man, it's a it's a frightening thing when you go to look in that sugar container and it's like Lord, we need a widow woman with Elijah miracle. That every time I put this scooper in there, I need a little, I need just enough for another cup. That's not that's not God's mercy and grace. Here you go. Here's your supply. Better not use it too quickly. When it runs out, you're done. The song says it doesn't, it doesn't say it exactly the way the verse says it, but it's based upon what the verse says. And the old song says, morning by morning. I don't go to the refrigerator and get leftover mercy from yesterday. 
every morning that I wake up, God comes along and says, you don't have to rely on yesterday's mercy. You don't have to live off of the mercy I gave you yesterday. I got brand new mercy for you today. And then listen, listen to this. This, this, I, 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 love, I love these verses too. I don't know about you, I don't love everything the Bible says. You might love everything the Bible says. I don't love everything the Bible I don't. I don't love having to turn my cheek when somebody smacks me. I, I, I want to, I'd rather do unto others before they do unto me. None of this stuff do unto others, you have them do unto you. But listen, listen to this. I love these verses. Just because I don't love them all, I do try to obey them all. So just to make that clear. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's, let's, not, let's don't just turn the lights off and shut the doors. Let's go get some dynamite and blow this place up. What are we, what's the point of being here? Because again, all have sinned. And the scripture says, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of those people shall inherit the kingdom of God. And again, it's the King James, and there's some words in there that may not be common to us, or phrases that may not be common to us. But let me just say this to you. Every single person in this place, including myself, has violated at least one of those things. Which means we are now disqualified, according to what the Scripture says, of entering the kingdom of God. Here we go. And such were some of and such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Unrighteous cannot. You can't enter the kingdom. If you've done any of those things, you can't enter the, enter the kingdom. So the world says, and I, I appreciate and I respect all of the efforts the world does to do good, but at the end of the day, the world can't fix anything. At the end of the day, the only hope is Jesus Christ. That's it. But the world says what you were, you always will be. That really the best that the world can offer you is that you are a recovering fill in the blank. So you live under this shadow for the rest of your life that I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm X amount of days or years sober. Uh, I, I've gone this long without giving in to my addiction, but I'm still just a recovering. 
But oh, my friend, what I just read to you confirms that the only hope we have is not to be a recovering whatever. Because if we're still a recovering whatever we were, we can't enter the kingdom. But such were some of you. You have been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can I tell somebody today that when God forgives you of what you've done, when His blood washes away what you've done, you are not just recovering from that anymore. It is completely gone. You are a brand new person in Christ Jesus. It is. I quoted it already, but let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things. That word new in the original language means recently made. Recently made. Forgive me those of you that have heard me use this many times before, but I'm going to use it again today. We use the word new in a variety of ways. We'll use the word new when you go to the thrift shop and buy clothes. You'll then go home and you'll tell somebody, you'll tell your friends, hey, guess what, I got a new suit today, I got a new dress today. Oh, really? Yeah, where'd you get it? Got it the Got it at the consignment shop. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. We don't question it. Thankfully, my wife was, she was a good thrift shopper when we started having children because we didn't have a lot of money. And she'd come home, got, got the kids some new clothes today. Awesome. The bottom line is, and I think it's still there on Forest Drive, there's a consignment shop, and it's actually the name of it, New to You. There is a big difference between something that is simply new to you versus something that is recently made brand new. You'll go buy a used car and then call your friends and say, Hey, guess what? I got a new car. Yeah, what'd you get? I got a Ford Pinto. I just saw the other day, I can't, not, now the name escapes me. What's that car? It, 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 it was a two-door, but the back, it was kind of more of a rounded off shape. What? Pacer, yeah. That's new. It's got 150,000 miles on it, but it's, it's new. It's not, it's not, God bless you, and if that's it, great. But I'm just going to tell you there's a big difference between going to the used car dealership and buying a 15-year-old car versus going to the, 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 the new car dealership and purchasing a brand new, that the only miles on it is the miles that got it onto the truck and then onto the parking lot. That, there's a difference. Can I tell you today, when Paul says, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature, he's not talking about a new-to-you creature. 
He's talking about a recently made creature. Brand new. Old things passed away and all things have become new. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, how do you get engrafted in Christ? You are baptized into Christ. He that is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Old things passed, all things new. All things. All things. The Passion Translation says it like this. Now, if any person is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Listen to this. This is the footnote for that. This would include our old identity, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. We are reformed or we are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Behold, everything is fresh and That's the ultimate life sentence. That it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter according to the world's standards how bad of a person you have been when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. All of that old stuff is washed away and you are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice again the way the King James Version says it. He says, if any man is in Christ, he is. He is. He doesn't say he will be a new creature. He says he is a new creature. Old things are past. All things are new. But, but, but here's the deal. Not every person, when you are born again, when you are baptized into Christ, not every person... Suddenly all of your old struggles go away. All of the things you've had issues with are suddenly gone. I said it the other night and I've heard people that have testified when they got baptized in Jesus' name, they were addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography or other stuff. And the second they got baptized, they came out of that water. God instantly delivered them from those addictions and they've never had an issue with them again. But I will tell you, God doesn't do it that way every time. Does that mean one person got the real deal and the other person got a knockoff? No. Here's what I think the deal is with that. What Paul is saying by stating that he that you are, not that you will be, but that you are a new creature, I believe what Paul is stating is this. The power of God, the effectiveness of the grace and the mercy of God in your life is such that if you will allow it to continue to work, maybe there's still some old habits and old ways that still pop up now and then. But God, Paul said it this way, God calls those things that are not as though they already were. 
Forgive me for using this example. I don't do this, and I definitely don't endorse anybody doing this, okay? But if I knew what the score, the final score of the game was going to be tonight, I'd be a rich man tomorrow. Because I'd be taking my money and investing it. I didn't say gambling. Wouldn't be gambling if you know the outcome. If I know the final score for sure in advance and I put my money on it's an investment. It's about to be a big payoff investment. Gambling is when you don't know the outcome. But if I knew the final score, I'd probably even borrow some cash from a few of you and tell you I'll give it back with some interest. Because if I know the outcome, I'm not worried about it. I think that's what Paul is saying when he says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. That the outcome, based on what the power of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God can do in your life, the outcome is so certain that the moment you're born again, God says you're a new creature. John said it this way, 1 John chapter 3. He said, Beloved, now, right now are we the sons of God. When you're, a born, when you're born again, you become... What did you have to do to become a son or a daughter? You did have to do something. Yes, you did. You had to do this. You just had to breathe. The moment you breathe, you're now a son or you're a daughter. Predetermined by God. No matter what we're told today, God decides. That you, you are. You don't, you don't have to earn it. So John says, we are, we, beloved, now, when we're born again, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know. Here's what I know. I'm not what I shall be. But I have something that's working inside of me. If I will let it work, I am going to be like Him. I think that's what Paul was saying. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And the power of the Spirit of God working inside of you, you may not be completely, totally new based on everything you can see right now. But if you let the Spirit of God continue to work, when it's all said and done, you will have become an absolute, completely brand new creature. Old things passed away. I preached to somebody today that you're living under a death sentence right now. You're living under the shadow of the past and what you've done and the mistakes you've made. But I'm here to tell you there is life and life more abundantly that you can have and when God forgives you he doesn't continue holding everything over you that you've done in the past he puts it under his blood and the Bible says he remembers it no more I've said this numerous times and I'll probably keep saying it 
are several promises in Scripture that the, that the Lord forgets. When He forgives, He forgets. But there is nothing in all of the Bible that tells us when God forgives us, we forget. Which is part of the reason so many times we struggle with believing God has truly forgiven us. Because we still remember. I know what I did. I know the sins I committed. I know the mistakes I made. I know and therefore I question His forgiveness because of that. But what's the... Here, 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 I got a question. What would be better? If there's going to be a person that forgets and a person that remembers, what's... what's what would you rather have? Would you rather have God remember and you forget? Or would you rather God forget and you still remember? Yeah. I got a question. Don't you think if God's able to choose and cause himself to forget when he forgives you, don't you think God could have made it that when he forgives us, we forget? Absolutely. God could have done it in such a way that the moment you're born again and He forgives you, that you instantly forget all, you forget all of those bad things in your past. He could have, but He didn't. I personally think one of the main reasons why He chose not to do that is because that is not supposed to be a reminder to condemn us to cause us to feel guilty and ashamed but it's supposed to be a reminder so that we have a perspective on how amazing how awesome how wonderful the forgiveness and the grace of God I know what I've done I know the mistakes I've made and the one that has the right that that one that they brought that adulterous woman to that day and accused him before he had every right to execute judgment on her and he responds and says neither do I condemn you where are your accusers I don't condemn you either go and sin no more got a question is there anybody this is primarily teenagers and up here so is there anybody here today that you don't have it's you don't have somewhere on your body whether it's visible or somewhere else you don't have a scar is there anybody that you have no scars on your body today every one of us every one of us some have more severe scars i'm talking literal physical scars Some have more severe ones than others. Some have them that are in visible places. You see, the enemy wants to take your scars, figuratively speaking, from your past and use them against you. But do you realize what what a scar? Yeah, that's another thing. You know, God, I mean, God's God is just amazing. And I think God could have created us in such a way as well that when you, when you are cut, when you are injured, God could have created in such a way that when you heal, you would never know what happened. But God, not the devil, God was the creator of scars. I got some scars in places that are covered by my clothes. I've got... I got several different scars on my hands some of those scars on my hands are reminders of some really stupid things I did 
told this story many times, but one of them. Anybody ever needed stitches as a result of your morning coffee? Didn't think so. Sitting on the couch one morning drinking my cup of coffee, and for some reason I just thought, I wonder how many fingers can I get in the handle of this cup? And with three fingers in there pushing their way in, very neatly, the whole handle just simply popped off, but left a jagged edge. How do you sit drinking your morning cup of coffee and end up needing stitches? We just so happened to have a youth, I was youth pastor at the time, we just so happened to have a youth lock-in that night. You know how, I was in my early 20s, you know how cool it was to walk around all night, oh, brother, what'd you do to your hand? lived in Harwood at the time, and so instead of going straight to the hospital, this was before the days of some of these clinics we now have, we stopped at the fire department in Edgewater to see if they thought I needed stitches. Do you know what that's like, walking into fire department with these big old strong firemen? Sir, do you think I need stitches? What'd you do? I had nothing. My other lovely one is on that thumb right there where Table Saw and I had a very close encounter. But you know what? If I'm not careful, I look at some of those scars and I'm just like, what were you thinking? But the bottom line is this. Here's what I really can do. I can look at those scars and go, wow, that's what I made it through. That's what I overcame. That represents a painful moment. It represents a hard time. But now that I look at it, now it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anymore. There's no pain there. It's now a reminder of what I came through. You know what? When God heals your heart and He's the healer of broken hearts, when God heals your mind and He can renew your mind, I will tell you today, when He does that, He's not going to take away all the scars from the past. He's going to leave some there because He wants you to have some reminders every now and then when you see some scars to go, wow, God, Your grace and Your mercy is so amazing. And I I don't deserve to be where I am. I don't deserve to have what I am. But because of the grace and the and the love that you have shown me I I have it all now I want you to stand if you would please and as you're standing if you don't mind just just kind of bow your head close your eyes I believe the presence of the Lord is in this place today. It's been here all morning and ministered already. But but I believe there's somebody, again, it, it may be one person, probably more than one, but it may just simply be one person here this morning. But there is somebody here today that God is wanting you to walk out of this place with a load lifted off of your shoulders and knowing, you know what, I've got a life sentence that is about life and life more abundantly you're here today and you need that if you're here today and I don't care if you come all the time or if it's your first time but if you're here today and you need that in your life can I tell you Jesus wants to give it to you way more than you even want it so head bows eyes closed if you're here this morning and you're willing to acknowledge you know what pastor I need that preacher I need that I 
I've been living under the the bondage of some things. I've been living under a death sentence. But if God is willing today to give me life and life more abundantly, if God is willing to wash away everything I've ever done in my past and make me new, if God's willing to do that, then, then I'm, I'm, I want that. If that's you right now, just how about do this for me if you would, right where you're standing. And, and let me tell you what I'm going to do so you'll know in advance. I'm going to ask you just right where you're standing with your eyes closed to just simply lift your hands. I said it already, but that's just kind of an outward expression, a demonstration, an invitation to God. And, 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 and I'm going to ask you to do that. And as you do that in just a moment, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask some folks that may be nearby you to join together with you and begin to pray for you. Because there's some people here today, God, he wants you to leave this place knowing that you are a new creature old things passed away everything has become new so eyes closed heads bowed if you need that if you want that this morning would you just lift your hands right where you are and church would you please be sensitive to the spirit of the lord there's people in this place right now the holy ghost is already working on he's already touching he's already ministering to would you help somebody right now receive what it is they need from the lord Today. I need your grace. I don't care what you've done, the blood is greater. I need your I don't care how badly you've messed up. Leading the way. Can't make it with I don't care how many times you've messed up. Grace always wins. I need your mercy. Grace always wins. I need your grace. You're gonna fall. I need Even your if you mercy. repent today, you're gonna fall again in the future. But grace, grace, grace is always gonna win. I need grace your is always grace. gonna win. Leading the oh, way. God, I pray right now in this Can't place that you would give life and life more abundantly you. today, Jesus. Not for one day. According to your word, Lord, give life I and life more abundantly mercy. today. Your grace is greater. Your blood is greater. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Thank you for your mercy in this place. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that it never runs out. Thank you that it's an unending supply. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Not for one day. I need your mercy. I need your mercy. I need it, Lord. I confess my need today. I need your grace. I need your mercy. We thank you that you give it to us. I need your hand. Thank you for grace and mercy that you Leading give freely today. Oh, thank you for grace and mercy that's freely given. Not for one day. I need your mercy. Oh, yes. Thank you for the free gift of your grace today. Oh, I need your grace. Thank you grace. for the free gift of your mercy today. I need your mercy. I need your grace, I need your hand, leading the way, I can't make it without you.
need your mercy. Thank you for being here today. Whenever you need to go, you're welcome to do so. There are those that are still praying, so please be mindful of that. I forgot to mention this early, but I want to remind you, there's a meeting downstairs in the chapel in a few moments. If you are interested in possibly being a part of some outreach opportunities in some juvenile centers especially, uh, would you please uh, take a few moments and hear about some of the opportunities that we have that we're working to get involved in. That meeting will be downstairs in the chapel in a few minutes. I need your mercy. Oh, I, I need, need your, your grace. grace. I, I need your hand leading the way. I can't make it without you, not for one day.